Welcome to episode 118 of the Animal Addicts podcast. On today's episode, Casey talks about a new exhibit at the Houston Zoo, and I talk about a scary story involving a snake on a plane, and a happy story about an orca who will soon be free of her small tank. We learn about two new Clawsome picks this time, and about our super quick Animal of the Week. So let's get to it. Episode 118 of the Animal Addicts Podcast starts right now. to episode 118 of the Animal Addicts podcast. As always, we're your host, Allie. And Casey. And today we're going to talk about a whole new assortment of super awesome animals. But before we get into that, Casey, what have you been up to since last I saw you? I've been watching webinars. Of course. <laughs> okay. These are largely on animal husbandry stuff. Okay. At least it's not plants this time. What do you... What are they doing with plants? It's been a while, but do things on plants a lot, too. Hmm. Well, anyways, it was on, like, alligator husbandry and big snakes handling and improper handling stuff that other facilities have done, that kind of stuff. Also, like, looking into, like, um, it first started off with, like, natural history about alligators and stuff like that first. Okay. Which is interesting, but also it's, like, found some interesting things um, that I didn't know before. I was, like... I found out alligators apparently can have hairballs. What? Yeah. So they'll eat like whole prey items and they'll eat mammals. And they have like the most acidic stomach acid of any vertebrate. um, But they cannot digest hair. So they will cough up little hairballs. So can they digest bone? Yeah. But they can't digest hair. Yeah. That's... It's something to do with keratin. I don't know. Weird. Okay. (laughs) I want to see an alligator cough up a hairball so bad now. (laughs) So bad. Yeah. Another funny thing I learned was um, there's these things called gastroliths, which are these little stones that alligators like to swallow. Mm -hmm. For the longest time, it was thought that they did it to help with digestion, but that doesn't make a whole lot of sense because they have such strong stomach acid. Right. Um, And it doesn't really make sense with how they... With them helping them sing because of how their buoyancy system works, they wouldn't need it really. Um, the closest thing they have was they found out um, that whenever uh, basically all alligators have gastroliths in their stomach, um, but they're usually they're almost never more than one percent of their body weight. But they what they have found is that that one percent um, correlates to a twenty percent increase in lung capacity. What? Yeah, that's the only thing they have ever found. They don't know the mechanism for it, but yeah. That's and it's something that can be enriching for them, so it's something that they encourage you to provide for your alligators and stuff. Okay. I still can't pe- get past the hairball. Do they stand like a cat, too, and do the whole little, like, mm-hmm. bleh No, I've thing? never seen it. I need to find this. We need to find a video of but, an alligator um, coughing up a hairball. They're ball. controlled um, regurgitators, so... Um, this uh, the person that did the webinar. Um, her name's Maggie um, Solom. She's the general curator over at Henson Robinson Zoo, and um, she had an alligator 
that lived in this one exhibit for like seven years. Mm-hmm. It was just like all sandy and had like no stones in it and had been like seven years and since it was like an exhibit with uh, any kind of rocks. And one day she regurgitated a stone about the size of her cranium. What? Because yeah. she was eating the sand? or, or No, that was, that was a stone from seven years from ago. From before. Oh yeah. my God, that's crazy. Mm. Weird. Okay. Yeah. Also, apparently they like fruit too sometimes. Aww. Yeah, there's videos out there of alligators just picking like kumquats off of a tree. Aww, that's cute. And um, like we'll, uh, where I work, we'll give them melons and pumpkins every now and yeah. then. Yeah. Sometimes they don't really eat them, but just like to play with them and crush them. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Do they do they eat like a, like a watermelon hole type thing, or do you cut it they'll, up for them? They'll crush it. That makes sense. Yeah. That'd be very easy for them to crush, mm. I imagine. Yes. Okay. Well, that's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And apparently, um, one of her alligators um likes apples. Oh well, apples are delicious. I'm very yes. sad I can't eat them. Mm-hmm. Because they're delicious. Yes, I finally got actually a chance to eat the new apple variety that was made a couple of years ago. Was it good? It was very good. I'm so jealous. It's very crisp and juicy. I'm so jealous. <laughs> That's making me like <laughs> almost drool. Because I'm imagining a nice crisp mm-hmm. apple, but like with that, ugh. Yeah. So now I've been buying those apples like every week. So maybe one day I'm just going to do it and accept the consequences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also decided to start eating blood oranges because I want, I just have a, a hankering for blood oranges. Of course, because it sounds murdery. Yeah. Okay. And they're sweet. I love oranges. It smelled really good. Mm-hmm. Oranges smell so amazing. Yeah. But it was funny. I was like, I was watching this one um, nutrition person on YouTube, mm-hmm. and she was like doing this ranking of like fruit. And she also included fruit juice because apparently in Canada, and I think in the US maybe, um, that fruit juice was included uh, in fruit. Well, if the fruit juice is actual fruit juice and not just sugar. Yeah. Well, it's juice, sense. so it's just basically water. It's basically just sugar water, even if it is from a fruit. Yeah, but still, but it's like natural sugar versus. Yeah, but sugar, sugar. <laughs> You're still getting a fruit serving, though. Not really. Some of the most important parts of the fruit are the fiber, which you don't get with juice. <laughs> But also, I was watching a webinar. I still haven't finished it. A webinar on big snakes. How long um, are these usually? The webinars. They. So the live one was like thirty to fifty minutes. But I'm watching pre-recorded ones, which are actually like kind of part of courses that she does too. But these are free videos. But there are also courses that you can pay for, and those ones are like one and a half, two hours. Oh boy. Yeah. Hence why I pace myself. Yeah. Mm. I've been watching Mandalorian. You've been watching these. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and another thing. Um, I haven't finished the snake one, but... Sorry, yeah, go ahead. Um, nothing too crazy to from those ones I've learned yet. Um, one thing is, like, obviously they tell you they don't specifically don't wrap it around your neck but like how you do it is like don't dangle it like a 
You want it like a more str- like a boa, like around your shoulders. Well, like you can have it over your shoulder and then supporting the rest of the body. Yeah. But if you like just have it draped over you, then it's like it can coil and constrict you. Right. And also, it's not very comfortable because that puts too much weight on their that one small part of their back, and it hurts. Oh no, yeah. that's not good. That's for them why either. you're supposed to try to. How do you uncoil them if they if it's a big one? How do you? That's a strong butt. That's a strong freaking snake. How would you get that to uncoil? With help. Well, I know, but like, <laughs> how is the help gonna even do it? They can like stick a foot on your chest and like oh, pull. Oh, you start from the tail. Oh, okay. <laughs> also, that's another thing I learned is like apparently a lot of snakes, the big constrictors, they'll wiggle their tail when they're agitated. Oh, like a cat. Yeah. They're a cat. <laughs> Steve, mm-hmm. that's just sorry. Quick rabbit trail. I follow cat cosplay or cosplay cat. One of those. On Instagram, I've told you about it before. It's mm-hmm. amazing. They're fantastic. And on their April Fools, they dress up a snake instead, so they must have a snake. Well, I think it's they have definitely there's a ball python. I feel like there's another snake too, but they'll dress up this snake in all kinds of outfits. And anyway, so it just makes me laugh because it's a snake, but on a cat's uh, page. Yeah. <laughs> but um, also at like the end of the alligator webinar, I haven't finished the snake one yet, but. She also put up recommended readings in there, like textbooks. So, of course, like the cheapest one was $50, and then the most expensive one was like near $200. Yeah, that sounds about right. And it's like, I can't, I was looking for it cheaper elsewhere. And then I found out about this website called Libgen, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is largely for textbooks, but you can use it and then type in like the name of the textbook that you want. And then you can just, it'll find it for you. And then you'll click a link. I think is the, this mirror is the link it's called. Mm-hmm. And then it'll take you to another page. And there's this button you press and just click get. And then it will download a PDF of it. For of free. the entire yeah. textbook? Yeah. What? I'm going to have to try that. Mm-hmm. That'd be a big thing for college students. I know. I wish I knew about that before I was shelling out. 100 bucks per book. I know, 200 right? bucks. I love the one. I'll never use it, but it was $200 and they were only giving me $40 buyback. And I was like, fuck you. I'm keeping this book. <laughs> I said, 200 You're going to give me 40 back for it? Go fuck yourself. Yeah. No. So you can turn around and sell it again? No. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And, like, textbooks are such a scam because I know, like, the authors that wrote write that, like, they don't see any of that money, basically. It's, all of it's awful. It goes to Pearson. It's so frustrating. And then they just do, and then they just make it so you can't like pass it down to somebody else mm-hmm. because they change it to the new edition and like move a chart somewhere. It's horrible. Yeah. Anyway, Very annoying. There's a lot of scam things in the U.S. But I'm sure it's not just the U.S. Maybe it's not just the U.S. I don't know. Oh, no. I hear shit about college from other countries too. It's probably a mess everywhere, I imagine, with that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we just have gun violence as our main issue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's uniquely American. Mm-hmm. Other issues are multiple places. Anyway, all right. Well, that's fun. Yes. Would have been good to know when we were in school. Mm. Oh, let me yawn. Oh, my abbies are sore from yesterday. Your abbies. Yeah, my abs. Really? I've never anyway. heard someone call them abbies. Really? No. Yeah, we used to call them abbies when mm. we work out in high school. Mm. Anyway. I used to call my hamstrings my hammies. Yeah, everyone calls them hammies. But not anything else, really. No, mm. even at the gym... I went yesterday, rabbit trail, <laughs> I went yesterday, and I don't know how I never saw it before, but one thing I used to love in high school was the, like, I don't know what it's actually called, but it's like an inverted, um, oh my god, what would that even be called? It's the simplest name ever. A bench. <laughs> See? A bench. Like, 
the like workout okay so it's like a, a weightlifting bench but you have so basically you can hook your ankles uh-huh. so you can do inverted sit-ups right yes i, know I used the ones. to love that in high school mm. one of my favorite things ever and i just yesterday discovered it at the gym i've been going for like six months now and i finally saw it and i also it was adjusted so high so i had to like leap up onto it because i didn't figure out the adjustment on that right away i was like oh okay now i know this for next time at the end i figured it out anyway so oh, i love those because i actually get your lower abs too <sighs> anyway exciting times but now i'm sore because i haven't done that in forever Anyway, rabbit trail. <laughs> so what I was going to talk about today, I was looking for stories to talk about and I came across a bunch and two just made me so angry that I had to talk about them in this place so I could talk about other stories later. But basically just these two parts stupid, stupid people and stupid states. <laughs> so so they're two different stories. I will on the website have both articles. I'm not actually going to open them right now because I'm just going to summarize what happened. So essentially... In Oklahoma, which is a state, both of these states are states where you do not need a permit to have all kinds of wild animals. So this person, the monkey attacked, I think it's the owner, or else a friend of the owner, attacked the owner. You know, I forgot. I am going to open this one because some of the descriptions in this one. That cannot be the monkey. Had me cracking up. That cannot be the pet monkey. I don't know. The article. I don't know if it is or not. It doesn't say what kind of monkey it is. It doesn't. It doesn't say anywhere at all what kind of monkey it is. Nope. It's a sham. <laughs> anyway, it's Oklahoma. Maybe they don't know. Anyway, all right. So, <laughs> pet monkey attacked Oklahoma woman before it was shot and killed, police say. So, this is, I'm going to, spoiler alert, on both these articles, the animal gets killed because of stupid fucking people who should not own this animal. And we're being dumb when it happened. Anyway, so, the attack left the woman with non-life-threatening injuries, and a friend or relative, they don't know, of a victim later killed the monkey, according to police. So I have to find, there's just parts in here that I find funny. Obviously it ends horribly, but I find it funny how they describe the money, monkey attacking her. <clears throat> so anyway, this woman had, yeah, no, it doesn't say what it is, but they show a picture of this. I don't know. Weird. Anyway, so she describes it, this idiotic woman. Um, she told the station that the monkey ran up my back and jumped onto my head pulled my hair out, and then ripped my ear in half like you would a piece of paper. Don't have a fucking monkey, idiot. Mm -hmm. Don't have a fucking monkey as a pet. You deserve that. Anyway, um, so she was transported to the hospital, whatever, and then she was released, and they stitched up her ear and whatever, yada, yada, yada. So anyway, after attacking her, the monkey ran to the into a wooded area, and people, the police were unsuccessful in trying to track it down, but then later, a friend or family member, they don't know, of this woman shot and killed the monkey. So, again, you were stupid enough to have a monkey, and then the monkey had to die because you're a fucking idiot. And then it's amazing, though, because here we go. This is my favorite part. So, um, <laughs> they reported it was a friend of Parker who killed the animal, with Parker claiming that the monkey also attacked the person who killed it. We called him, and he came over here, and after I had been attacked, the monkey went out to his vehicle, slapped him across the face, <laughs> and pulled his hair <laughs> He's like, I'm tired of your shit. I just, the way that's described is my absolute favorite. Okay, stuff. here's what's also really funny. Yeah. Of course, it didn't disclose what kind of monkey it was. Yeah. I don't believe the hyperlink where it was showing this, it was showing a macaque. Yeah, probably not. But I, of course, I automatically think of the marmoset I work with. 
yeah. who's like, yay big. Tiny little thing. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I feel like it's usually capuchins are usually what people have as pets. Yeah. Anyway. I knew someone in college that apparently at one point had a capuchin. Yeah, it was real dumb. Anyway, I just found it hilarious that it slapped him across the face and pulled his hair. Anyway, and then they're going to examine the monkey's body to see if anything is wrong with it. But, like, you had a freaking monkey and something probably happened. Also, it's a wild animal still, so, like, any tiny thing could trigger it. Anyway, Oklahoma law classifies primates as domesticated animals. Because fucking Oklahoma. Making it legal <laughs> to own one without a permit. Like, I see owning these animals if you go through permitting. But to have anything like this without a permit is crazy. Oh, and by the way, um, it's a misdemeanor if you don't, if you, um, wait, hang on. Where is that? Oh, okay. So, it's also a misdemeanor, though, if you fail to adequately keep them enclosed. How much do you think uh, that punishment is? 20 bucks. $50 or 30 days in jail. That's what yeah. you get. So that could be a fucking chimpanzee. <laughs> oh, my God. And you would get charged $50 for that. Anyway. He probably wouldn't have made it if it was a chimpanzee. No, but, I mean, I guess that's true. <laughs> well, if it, if it attacked a neighbor, then you could have been the mm -hmm. one who was, you know, sued or whatever. Anyway, so that person's an idiot. And then... This other guy's a fucking idiot in Ohio. Same situation. Oh, wait, I want to say something about the monkey I work with. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Okay, so uh, I found out recently because I was at uh, some shows on Easter and there were big breaks um, between them because it was at a church. So I was waiting during the service before more people could come out. There's a show during Easter? Did you bring Ring. rabbits? What a weird time no, for a so show. No, I was lucky because I had the small show. I had only seven animals. Okay. Across three shows. <clears throat> Two of my coworkers went to this other church, these other churches in Anaheim. They had 16 animals. Oof. Across two shows? No, across, um, let's see, there was, I believe, Seven. Oh well that's a lot of shows yeah. I'm just still blown away that a church's Easter service is like you know what we'll have our service about Jesus and then oh, no. random yes. animals that have nothing to do with Jesus or the holiday no I like had a birthday party the day before Easter and yeah. it's like so that I, makes sense but um, one of the animals I brought was a cavey and it's like oh it's a large run and so this is our Easter bunny today even though Okay, it's kind of funny, though, because they do kind of have a face like a rabbit. They kind of look a little bit like a rabbit. Yeah. But anyway, back to Jackson. Anyway, yeah, so back to idiots. So then this so, one... Oh, sorry. Yes. I, I completely tangent because I never <laughs> talked about Jackson. You tangent off of your tangent. Jesus. Yeah. So Jackson <laughs> was somebody's pet in, I think, Central California or somewhere, um, a bit up north. And um, he was given free range of the house. So, of course, they had, like, no control over him. Mm -hmm. So, they would... I found this out while I was at the show, and we were talking about him, that um, his owners, that it, they would knock him out by smacking the door behind him. <gasps> yeah. Wait, smacking him into, like, the, the door into him? Or, like, yeah. the noise would scare him and he passed out? Yeah. Oh, the my former. God. Yeah, we were talking. I was like, you know, if he didn't have to deal with that, he might have been turned out into a pretty yeah, okay monkey. Yeah, he'd been a nice little guy. I he think, has his moments, but otherwise I'd he'll... I'd be bitchy, too. Yeah. What an idiot. I yeah, hope that person was arrested. Probably not. They probably had a $20 fine. I have no clue. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the fine would be here well, in California. Well, California's a little steeper. <laughs> but, that's um, not illegal. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. And, of course, uh, because this was a monkey that bit someone, the county 
uh, animal control kind of came and wanted to euthanize him, right. but my director had to fight tooth and nail to Can prevent we, that from happening. I think we should be able to euthanize the people who are stupid enough to have them versus yeah. the animal. Mm. Or if you're going to euthanize the animal, you should also euthanize the person who was that yeah. dumb. Anyway, so this one in Ohio, a man le- nearly loses his arm in zebra attack at farm. So not expected zebras to rip someone's arm off, but anyway. So officials initially thought the zebra tore the 72-year-old victim's arm off, but doctors were able to save it. I don't know why that's in quotation, <laughs> but it is. Um, save it is in quotations. He is in the hospital and has undergone surgery. So this one was he was out working in the field in this pasture with multiple zebras. And um, apparently he'd been burning brush when he turned his back and the zebra attacked him. And then um, when the police got there, they said that there were six to seven zebras fenced in the property. And they tried to block the zebras from the victim, but a very hostile, large male zebra charged the driver's side door of the vehicle, um, according to the incident report. So the officer scared the zebras away using the car's horn and sirens, and the victim was found with a hemorrhage to his right arm below the elbow and was taken away by ambulance. And the deputies were tending to the victim, an officer saw the male zebra approaching EMS staff, and the victim's family, um, the incident report said, the family authorized deputies to put down the animal, and after uh, failed efforts to scare it away by yelling, an officer shot and killed it. So, again, an animal is killed because you're in an open pasture <laughs> with zebras. You turn your back on them. You're burning shit. That's probably going to be seen as threatening. Anyway, um, and then it also turns out, they say it in here somewhere, that it was a male zebra in with all female zebras. So you were near all of his girls <laughs> doing something he perceived as threatening and he attacked you because he's a fucking zebra and that's what they're going to do. Again, you're dumb. <sighs> anyway, and in Ohio, once again, he noted that it was not illegal for the man to own the zebras. The Ohio Agriculture Department says zebras are not considered dangerous wild animals, which are illegal to own. So in these two idiotic states, you can have animals that can, I mean, depending on what this monkey size was, it probably wouldn't kill you, but any monkey can do damage. And a zebra could kill you. I mean, a horse could kill you. And a zebra is going to be a, have a lot more attitude than a horse. <laughs> so you're just dumb. I mean, I feel like... If you're going to have these wild animals, I just don't feel bad for you if you get attacked at some point. Like, and you don't have a permit. Like, it's different if you're, like, a wildlife rescue and you went through all the permitting and you're doing all the stuff. But, like, if you're just a normal citizen who's like, you know what I think would be cool? Having zebras. Mm -hmm. You deserve what you get. (laughs) And in both these cases, the animals die because people are fucking stupid. And states are stupid. And it pisses me off. Anyway. I find it funny how there can be, like, two extremes. Like, there's, like, the states where it's like, yeah, these animals are... include as domesticated and then there's um some states that recently had to amend like some really old laws because they've been passing um a lot of animal regulations and they have to end stuff because they basically how the they worded it made it so like um when they designate exotic animal they like include livestock because they made it so broad. Oh, yeah. That would be annoying. To be fair, livestock can also be dangerous if you're yeah. not paying attention. Cows are big. Cows are big. And if they get mad, and pigs will rip you to shreds mm-hmm. if you're not watching mm-hmm. out. Anyway, so, um, yeah, so there you go. It really, really pissed me off. 
But anyway, <laughs> let's try to turn this ship around. Hopefully Casey has something good for us today. What do you want to talk about today? The Houston Zoo. Okay, that just on its own does not tell me if it's good or bad, so let's find out. It's good. I mean, things keep escaping. And surprising. So. Um, so the Houston Zoo is unveiling a first-of-its-kind exhibit dedicated to the Galapagos Islands. Oh, that is cool. Yeah, so apparently it's been a project that was seven years in the making and was part of the exhibit costs uh, around 70 million dollars oh dang yep so it just opened to the public and um so it's one of the first exhibits now where when you walk in and it's cool from this picture this is like i think an image recreation before because i can't always tell what's real and not <laughs> i mean those people look real i know but some of them are getting so good like the shed tricked me with their promotion <laughs> <laughs> but um it's like a Part of it is like this tunnel. Of course, they have California sea lions, so they can like swim overhead. So some of the things, like I think they're just doing representatives of the animals that you find at the Could Galapagos. Could be there, yeah. Because like California sea lions are no. all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then there's like um, Humboldt penguins, which, as far as I know, are not in the Galapagos. <laughs> okay. But, like, I am finding it very surprisingly that s thus far there has not been exhibit designed at a zoo that was desig de designated to yep. represent the um, Galapagos Islands. That is surprising. I know. I bet in the Galapagos Island type area mm -hmm. there is. Maybe in Ecuador. Maybe. I don't know. That's the funny thing is, like, there's, like, I remember looking up, like, there's no giant armadillos in captivity I know in the U.S., but I think there are some in Colombia. <laughs> okay. But yeah, I am jealous and I would like to go, but I can't afford to I go I just to want us to have all the money so that we can go to all of these zoos and places yeah. all over the place. Mm. Also, speaking of zoos all over the place, one I have been to is the London Zoo, and I just saw it, I think, on Instagram. You went to London Zoo? Yeah, back forever ago when I went to London, well, England and Ireland. Huh. I, when we were going, I was like, two things I care about, London Zoo and seeing a show in the West End. Mm. <laughs> I was like, these are my priorities, and Stonehenge. Those are my priorities. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, and they did, they put out like Easter eggs essentially everywhere. Obviously, some are plastic with things inside and then some are things they could destroy um, for all their animals. So it was just so cute watching all the critters, like the tigers and everyone, like beating up Easter eggs. Or things that look like Easter eggs. <laughs> Yesterday, um, we gave our monkeys, our kinkajous, and our bintrongs these like little jello Easter eggs as a treat. So of course today they have multicolored poop. Of course, <laughs> that'll happen. <laughs> anyway, all right. Well, I have some scary news and some good news. I guess should we do the scary news first? Sure, we'll do the scary news first. So I would have pooped myself. So the, this is an article from NPR, and the headline is, He felt the slither of a venomous snake in the cockpit, then turned the plane around. <laughs> so this was in South Africa. Um, I'm just going to summarize it, basically. So anyway, so there, <laughs> this pilot took off. Um, anyway, his name is Rudolph <laughs> Eros. What? Why is Rudolph funny? Because I think it's a reindeer. The reindeer. Okay, whatever. Um, and, like, I don't think of it as an actual human name. I think of it as a There's a lot of Rudolphos. Is there? Yeah. Rudolph, I'm not so accustomed to, but Rudolpho is definitely a name. I've never heard it. 
Really? No. All right. Rodolph Erasmus, I'm assuming is his name. Anyway, so he says, I felt this little cold sensation underneath my shirt. No, where my hip is situated. But basically where you've got your little love handles. Also, I love the way he described that. <laughs> where my hip is situated, but basically where you've got your little love handles. <laughs> anyway, when he looked down, the pilot was surprised to see a highly venomous Cape Cobra under his seat. Anyway, so he um, he felt the slithering stowaway as he was piloting a private flight from South Africa's Western Cape to the northeastern town of Nelsprut on Monday. As I turned to my left and looked down, I could see the head of the snake receding back underneath my seat, he said, at which point there was a moment of stunned silence, to be brutally honest. Anyway, so he decided to turn the airplane away around, obviously. Um, he's like, I then informed my passengers of what was going on, but everyone remained calm, he recounted. Mm. Anyway, so it says that a Cape Cobra bite can kill someone in as little as an hour. <laughs> and he said his first thoughts were for his passengers. Anyway, point being, horrifying to have a super venomous... <laughs> snake just under your seat chilling with you and that's why if it's a private plane it's small it's not a big place so anyway and then it goes and he turns around and i think oh oh yeah it does say that oh where does it say that um since landing however the snake has not been found it seems to have boarded and disembarked everyone hopes on its own there's no way i'm getting back in that plane until you rip it apart and make sure there's no what? snake in it are you kidding me Anyway, and of course that made everyone think of snakes on a plane, because, you know. Anywho, but I just, no thank you. I would have, like, nope, it would not have been a good situation. And on to some good news. Um, this is an article from Live Science. Lolita, the second oldest orca in captivity, is finally getting released after more than 50 years. Um, she is in the Miami Seaquarium, and she's been there for more than 50 years, and she will soon a bit bid adieu to her tiny tank in Florida and live out the rest of her days in her home waters of the Pacific Northwest. She is a 57-year-old female. And um, anyway, so she was in a teeny tiny little, they said somewhere in here, <laughs> I'm not going through the whole thing, but it's a really small pool comparatively to most. Not that they're big. Anyway, I mean, they're big compared to humans, but big, not big enough for orcas. Anyway, um, so they're going to have her in basically a, I don't know what to call that. What do they call that? They're a called sea pen. Pens. Yeah, a sea pen, because obviously she's been in captivity for so long. They don't really trust that she would necessarily do well. Um. Anyway, so, um, but she's going to be released, yay, back to her home waters in the Pacific Northwest. So that's very exciting because um, it did not sound like a good situation for her. So there you go. I don't. It's been here more with more information, and you can look at it. <laughs> but yeah. the long, the gist of it is, yay, she's going to be freed. It will, the process will take about 18, 24 months. And it has to be approved by NOAA because the said sea pen does not exist. Yet? They have to make the sea pen? Yeah. Oh, that's the situation. Yeah, I think it's, um, my friends and I were talking about it. It was somebody that owns, I think, some football team or something that was funding a lot of it. Mm -hmm. I can't remember what the guy's name is or who, what team. But that's what I remember. Hmm. But yeah, and of course it has to, all of it has to get approved by Noah as well. 
the National Oceanic and Atmospheric. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, yeah, I get, I get who you're talking about because they're concerned about disease or what. So it's disease for her partly, and also that same region is heavily polluted. It's some of the most polluted waters around the world. Also, that is the region where there is the remaining approximately 77 southern resident killer whales. So, because she's been in captivity, she's been in contact with other cetaceans, as well as in close proximity to sea lions, which can carry diseases that can potentially uh, be fatal to wild killer whales because they are not subjected to it. Hmm. And vice versa. Right. She can get stuff she's not used to as well. Anyway, so the good news, though, is she gets out of a tank that is too small and captivity is just not very good for orcas anyway in general. So they should all be out. (laughs) Anyway, they also talk about some other whales, including Keiko, the one from Free Willy. Um, And, of course, uh, I don't see where he is on here now, but Tillicum or something like that, whatever his name is, who killed like four people of the six people killed in captivity. (laughs) Um, Because, you know, it's not good for their mental health to be in there or their physical health in a lot of ways. So anyway, so yay, she will be out one whale free woo all right so that is gonna take us into our picks for this week and it was my turn to choose and i made the category crustacean found in the indian ocean and casey who did you choose the coconut crab he sounds so excited about that yes i made caveats with these categories because technically every time i say ocean i think of in the ocean but oh yeah this they wa- still go in the water a little bit. They dip their little feet in it. <laughs> they dip their feet in it. Uh, am I a marine mammal because I dip my feet in it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, they live literally on the freaking beach. Mm. You don't live on the beach. I could, though. You could. But you, rich people, uh, but you wouldn't live on the sand. But you wouldn't live on the sand. They live in a house that's like. They can you know, put sand in the house? 40 feet. I know, but you're not living outdoors in the sand, subjected to birds all the time, and all the things that can eat you. Open up the windows. <laughs> no, this is not qualified. Continue on. So, his scientific name is Burgess Latro. That's fun. This species is found across multiple islands in the Indian and Western Pacific Oceans. And the largest and best preserved population is found on Christmas Island. They live in rock crevices and in burrows along the coast. This is a long-lived species with some individuals living to be over 60 years old. Oh, wow. The coconut crab holds the distinction of being the world's largest terrestrial invertebrate. They have a body length of about 40 centimeters and a leg span of one meter. Well, first of all, leg span of one meter is very large Mm -hmm. for you. I went too far. Oh, that's really big. I did not realize they were that big. (laughs) That's horrifying for a terrestrial crab. Yes, and they can weigh around four kilograms. Nope, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. One meter, now that I'm thinking about that, no. No, no, thank you. Oh, God. Some have reported coconut crabs with body lengths of around a meter and weighing 17 kilograms. Absolutely if not. these are true, then it's probably close to the limit of how big a terrestrial arthropod can get. Mm-hmm. Like most other crabs, uh, they are opportunistic omnivores and will feed on a variety of food, including coconuts, fruits, and leaves, and even dead animals. But they are also among the few crab species that will go after live prey, like rats and seabirds. <sighs> Wait, what was the first thing? 
Rats. It was rats? Yeah. I heard you right? Yes, you heard me right. Oh my god, no thank you. This is more horrifying as it goes. What the hell? I'm looking these up. This is horrifying. They get the name coconut crab from the fact they have large muscular claws that they have been observed using to open up coconuts. Some have said they uh, will climb uh, trees. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Look at that. Uh, no. Not okay. They have a couple at the San Diego Zoo. One's in the base camp and one's over by the tigers. What? Where is that in the base camp? I don't remember it's that. It's in the butterfly jungle area. No. It's that I, glass off exhibit. I don't, I'm going to have to go look when I go next time. <laughs> also, tangent, I need to go because they have little Amor couples. Oh, I got so excited I couldn't say it. Amor leopard cubs. Oh, yeah. And I think they have spectacled bear. They have some sort of bear cubs too. Yeah, spectacled bear cubs. I want to see all the babies. Anyway, continue. Oh and now God. I have to look for this horror <laughs> when I go it's look awesome. at the babies. I will show you. Uh, Hopefully we can find it because I very rarely get to see the coconut crab when I go. Yeah, I've never seen it. Because I've gotten rotten luck and they're always molting when I go. What is Is it with something else? No, it's by itself. Okay. Anyway, I'm sorry. Continue. I'm sorry. Folks, there's a picture of one on a trash can and... <laughs> You should just look that up for yourself and be horrified. Anyway, continue. I can't. I gotta get off this page. Continue on. <laughs> oh my goodness. Some have said they will climb trees to pinch the stem to make coconuts drop out of trees. That's funny. But it isn't likely they are smart enough to do that. And what is actually happening is they are trying to open the coconut while they are up in the tree. Mm, and it falls. Okay. Yep. I just imagine though a crab going up there and there being like a bird or something mm -hmm. or a rat or a human below and it's like. Boop! <laughs> Cut the coconut so smashes it. Oh my anyway, continue. I'm sorry. I'm trying to not be horrified anymore. I'm trying to make it funny. Okay, continue on. These crabs are nocturnal. They spend their days in their burrows, then come out night at night to feed. The name coconut crab is a bit of a misnomer because they don't eat coconuts that often, and they are not true crabs. They are an example of carcinization. Of course. Which is an example of convergent evolution in which crustaceans evolve from non-crab-like forms into crab-like forms. The coconut crab is, in fact, a species of hermit crab, which are actually among the closest relatives of true crabs. <laughs> this whole thing to that hor horrific yeah. monstrosity. Unlike most hermit crabs, oh the coconut God. crab only uses a shell for protection while they are juveniles, or alternatively, they may put coconut husk on their back um, <laughs> as protection. But as they age, their exoskeleton gets thicker, which helps to protect their abdomen. They will also bend their tails underneath themselves to further protect that abdomen. Their exoskeleton does provide them with great protection, even to helps prevent water loss, but it must be molted as the crab grows since it just can't grow with it. So when it is ready to molt, it will dig into its burrow where it will stay for about 30 days to molt, during which its bodies become soft and they become vulnerable to predators, so they will stay hidden until their exoskeleton hardens. Even though these are a terrestrial species of crustaceans, when they breathe, they spawn in the sea, and the eggs hatch in the ocean where the larvae will float and develop for about 28 days before they start making their trek for land. See, that makes it an aquatic animal. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's a marine animal. They start their life in the water. <laughs> when they leave the ocean permanently... <laughs> 
<laughs> they also lose the ability to breathe underwater. Oh. So when they grow to become large adults, they would actually sink and drown if they went into a large body of water. Would they be able to, like, crawl their way, though, if they didn't go that far out? You know, they're just, like, in the probably. shallows. They're just like, ooh, walk. Yeah. Yeah, they try probably to, Try to get up there. They wouldn't be able to get yeah. up to, like, body surfing. Yeah. Once it leaves the ocean, it will take about four to eight years for it to reach sexual maturity, which is quite a long time for a crustacean's development. The coconut crab is currently listed as vulnerable by the IUCN Red List, and their population is declining. They are on isolated on islands, so they don't have many predators, but their biggest threats are people. Unfortunately, these crabs are often hunted by islanders as a food source, and their numbers are also declining because of habitat loss. Some governments are trying to protect them and have implemented a minimum harvest size, and females that are carrying eggs are specifically protected. Hmm, okay. It does seem like it would be an easy meal yeah. for people. How but fast do they move? Not very fast. I don't. I've never seen them move I, very fast. Also, though, I would imagine their claws would do a number on yeah. you if they got you. It's, I could imagine, like, you know the, the picture of the one crab with the knife? That one could have a sword. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just swing that around like, ah, oh, this is a situation. I love that video. I, I haven't watched have I watched a video of it? Doesn't he just walk with really? it, though? I don't know if I've, I've seen the still of it. Uh, yeah, I've seen both the meme and yeah, uh, I've seen the meme. like um, the crab just walking with the He ball. just walks with it, though, right? Yeah, he yeah, just walks with it. I think maybe I have. Anyway. All right. Well, from that horror, <laughs> although on the same island, <laughs> I chose the Christmas Island Red Crab. And I'm not going to lie. I chose these because you always see them randomly because of their crazy migra migration? migration thing that they do. So their scientific name is Gekarsadia. Mm -hmm. No, Equidae, right? So it would be Gekarsadae <laughs> Natalis. It's the idea. Oh, it is idea. Yeah. Well, that's annoying. If it's be a consistent. E, then it would be Idae. Makes me and angry. that's for family names. Okay, anyway. Natalis is the last name. I like that part. Okay. Anyway, as you may guess from their name, the Christmas tree, the Christmas tree, the Christmas Island Red, we've talked about Christmas tree things. Anyway, the Christmas Island Red Crab is native to Christmas Island, which is located in the Indian Ocean off the northern Australia's coast, Australian coast. These crabs are actually a terrestrial species found in the island's rainforest and will dig burrows to live in or in the crevices of rock out, uh, rock out crops. Why is that so hard? Rock out crops. They are not a particularly large crab with adult shells measuring only about, what the heck, 116 millimeters across. I am not counting millimeters. Okay, what is that? 16 centimeters? Is that mm -hmm. kind of conversion? Yeah. Okay, that's like a normal size terrestrial crab. Good. They are also slow to mature, taking about four to five years to reach 40 millimeters in size. These crabs are opportunistic feeders. They mainly feed on leaves, fruits, and flowers. Oh, how cute. But will also eat dead animals like other crabs and birds, as well as the occasional giant African snail, which is an invasive species on the island. Good job, crabs. You take care of that invasive species. These crabs can be quite common on the island, and even though there are several of these crabs, they do not tolerate each other's company much, as when they are in their burrows, they will chase out any intruders. Even though they are a terrestrial crab, they still have gills that must be kept moist in order for them to breathe, which is why they live in a rainforest habitat. Even though it is more humid at night, these crabs are actually diurnal and rarely ever active during the night. 
When it does get too dry during the day, especially in the dry season, the crabs will take a wad of leaves to close the entrance to their burrows to help keep the humidity high in their burrows. There are about 14 species of land crabs on Christmas Island, and this species is usually the most obvious with its bright red color as well as sheer number. It is estimated that there are 40 to 50 million of the crabs living in shaded sites all over the island. Even though they are a largely solitary species, they do partake in a massive migration each year. In the beginning of the wet season, most of the adults will start moving from the forest to the coast. The reason for the timing of year is that the rain provides moist overcast, which helps keep it humid for the crabs to survive on their long journey. The crabs gather in streams of crabs. <laughs> That's how they describe it. That is the l actual plural for a group of these guys. It's What's called so a stream. Weird. Okay, there you go. The crabs gather in streams of crabs moving across the island like a red carpet. This massive migration is all for a single goal, synchronized between the crabs on the island, and that is to mate. Another interesting aspect of this migration is that the timing is linked to the phases of the moon. Ooh, spooky crab stuff. Anyway, the time the females release their eggs is linked to the turn of high tide during the last quarter of the moon. It is suspected that this time is important because it is when there is the least difference between high and low tides, so this is the safest time for the females to release up to 100,000 eggs into the water because if they get swept away, they can actually drown. The crabs, not the eggs. <laughs> <laughs> the larvae will develop in the sea, then eventually make their way to shore and march across the island to get to the rainforest. See, they start their life in the water too. You didn't start your life in the water, did you? No, you didn't. <laughs> anyway. I could have been born in a bathtub. You don't know. That's not starting like the first month of your life. That's like the first like <laughs> 10 minutes. <sighs> anyway, I always feel like that is the way I'd want to do it. Really? It'd be so messy, but I feel like it'd be the most comfortable. My sister has also talked about that. It's like, no, I need to be in a hospital with an epidural. Well, you can be in a hospital and just be there's the tub in the room. Oh, do they do that? I mean, I'm sure if you have money, I'm sure if you have money, you could make that happen. Mm. Or just have a medical team there. So mm. anyway, <clears throat> excuse me, <laughs> as I cough and choke. Anyway, yes, I forget what that's called now, but anyway, that seems like the best way to go. Also drugs, but. Anyway, so that is the Christmas Island red crab, and they're crazy, and they always show videos of people trying to not run them over. <laughs> they just cover the entire streets and everything, and I don't know how people get around. You just you are just trapped at home yeah. for the crab migrating season. You can't go anywhere. Or you'd like to have to walk and just try to not step on them. <laughs> yeah, what's also funny is, like, it's a mess with the adults, but also sometimes there's, like, very successful breeding seasons and then there's like just tons of babies and it's like a moving <laughs> red carpet <laughs> horrifying yeah. like this is a crab breeding season yeah. we all just have to also, stay inside i found it funny when um you had to make the correction it's like the, the crabs would could drown not the eggs yeah because that was also in one of the webinars because like um um, she was talking about one of her bosses like how um he got bit and strangled by a snake and it's like and so that as an end result, they had to stab him. The snake, the not snake. my boss. <laughs> I was like, they stabbed my boss to take his body. Out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 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 
You do have to specify these things. <laughs> they had to stab him. There was just no, he wasn't going to survive it. We just had to put him out of his misery. <laughs> also, that's not a quick way. You got to be real precise with the stabbing. Yeah. Well, the thing is they, um, the snake actually survived after that and they treated it, but it only lived for another year. Oh, okay. Yeah. Whereas, like, she also told another story where there was a civilian that had a particulated python that constricted someone, and, like, when the cops showed up, they shot the snake in the head. The guy still died. <laughs> because they didn't get to him fast enough, or they also managed so he to was shoot alive the guy? On his way to the <laughs> okay. He was alive on his way to the hospital, but he didn't make it. But still, that makes me think that he was without oxygen too long. That's yeah. why. Okay. Mm-hmm. Anyway, just don't have those. Yeah. Don't have them when they can eat. If it, if well, they like, can eat I you. am, this is why there are reptile people that would not like me probably very much. Mm-hmm. Is because I think you should have a permit for anything other than a like boa a constrictor. I would say like boa constrictor. Because I get, we handle boa constrictors by ourselves, but like anything bigger than that is like, no. No, anything that can, if it can kill you, I mean, even a small one theoretically could, but you should be mm-hmm. strong enough to be able to get, like, one of yeah. those off on your own. Just be smart enough not to wrap it around your neck. I, You'll be people fine. people are not smart enough. Because, like, there's a reason that there's more civilian deaths by giant bug, giant um, constrictor snakes than not as many zookeepers. Right, because they're not handling yeah. them properly. Um, when I, before I left my pet store job, um, I found out that one of my coworkers, who had not ever owned a snake before, um, the first snake she ever got um, just before I left um, was a reticulated python. That is not a good starter snake. No. Also, you've got to feed those like rabbits. Like, mm-hmm. what do you? What's the biggest you're gonna wind up feeding? Probably rabbits, right? Yeah. But they could eat something bigger. Oh yeah, I know. Um, I know some people that had to like make friends with. This was anacondas, um, but uh, they had no. to make friends with farmers. And to get like yeah, to get like whole like flanks baby and stuff, yeah. pigs um, that didn't make it and oh, stuff well, like that. At least that's recycling. Yeah, but still, ugh, no, thank you. But yeah, you have to because not everywhere you can easily find um, like feeder rabbits are hard to uh, hunt come by sometimes. Yeah, because um, you gotta go hunt for <laughs> rabbit in the wild. <laughs> no, like because like shipping costs like me just trying to ship rats or quails, it gets expensive. Yeah. I just feel bad feeding things to other things, so. I I do it for a living, so. I know, but that's a zoo-type situation, not a pet. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, it's, I couldn't have them. Even though I like some snakes, I'm just like, I don't want to, yeah. even if it's frozen, I just feel bad. Even with the crickets, anytime I'd find one at our old workplace that had gotten out, I'm like, be free, little one, run to the dollar, yeah. <laughs> enjoy your freedom. I just found it funny is like because Jackson the marmoset um, one of the treats he absolutely loves is crickets. Really? Yes, and he's like, well, cause he can grab them and they probably move and it's yeah. exciting. Oh yeah, I like we have this partnership with you know the like pet grass. Yeah. We have a partnership with them. They send us um, boxes like every few weeks or something, mm-hmm. and we do it for enrichment for several animals, and we give them to our monkeys, and we like put like mealworms or other Inside treats in there it, that's and good like yeah they have it. to go through it yes that's good for them mm-hmm. um i don't know what that was just making me think of oh my god that made me think of something and i just lost it monkeys mm-hmm. nope food nope yeah. crickets nope okay anyway mm-hmm. i've lost it it's gone yeah. our possums also like doing it which is funny because oh, um the possums because a lot of our most of our produce comes from a market that donates what they haven't 
been able to sell, sell yeah. which people aren't buying. Um, and so we get a lot of apples. Mm-hmm. So that is often just surplus of apples that we give them for like our fruit bowl when we make their diets and stuff like that. And so they're not very into apples when we do it as enrichment for like scatter feeding. That makes sense, yeah. But if we put it in grass and it's like, ooh, what's in here? No. And it's like, nom, 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 nom. And it's like, why? <laughs> it's, it, it was different. It was a special grass <laughs> apple instead of a normal apple. I just remember, I think it was a zoo in Texas mm-hmm. that they would, around val- Valentine's Day, I don't know if they do it every year, but they've done it for a while. The San Antonio can, Zoo. Yeah, where yes, you can name a cockroach after your ex and they'll feed it to the meerkats. Mm-hmm. I love it. See, it's like, we have those Madagascar hissing cockroaches, but we don't feed them to anything. Yeah. I just think it'd be funny. Anyway, crickets just made me think of always watching the meerkats go after the crickets Mm because they have fun with it. Yeah. But anywho, that brings us to our animal of the week. And our animal of the week this week is... The horn-eyed ghost crab. I requested this one (laughs) because a while back I saw how fast ghost crabs were. And this is supposed to be the fastest one. Anyway, go ahead. Tell us about them. All right. So these guys are in the order Decapoda. And they're in the family Ocipodidae. Okay. And their scientific name is Ocipodae Ceratophthalmus. Whoa. Okay. Sorry, Ceratophthalmus. How dare you. (laughs) This species can be found on the shorelines on beaches across the Indo-Pacific from the coast of East Africa to the Philippines down to the Great Barrier Reef. They are a pretty small crab species, only measuring around 6 to 8 centimeters. Okay, that's not that small, but it's not big. (laughs) These crabs are scavengers, so they will feed on a variety of dead animals on the shore, um, including things like fish, shrimp, fireworms, and even other crabs. These crabs have a box-like shape that is usually bluish-gray in color, but they have been seen coming in a variety of color patterns. One interesting about these crabs is that they have a ridge on the inside of the palm, their claw, Okay. that will actually make a sound when it rubs it against the hard surface of its face. This sound is suspected to serve as a territorial call to warn off any potential competitors. Hmm. Okay. These crabs get the name horn-eyed ghost crab from the fact they have large eyes on stalks, and they are actually able to fold their eyes into grooves on their body to prevent sand from getting into their eyes while they're burrowing. What? I did not know that. (laughs) The adults have a distinctive little horn on top of both eyes that even gets its own name. They are called stylothalmus. Stylothalmus? Yes, stylothalmus. Stylo makes me think of stylo. Yeah. From French. They have a pen eye. Anyway, okay. These horns probably have some role in mate selection because they are shorter in the females and they are completely absent in the juveniles. Hmm. Even though the juveniles don't have the fancy horns, what one study found is that they have the ability to change body color to match the surrounding sand, turning a lighter color in the day and getting darker at night. Ooh. The ghost crap part of their name is attributed to the fact that these guys are largely nocturnal and come out at night. During the day, mostly you will see just the entrances of their burrows, which are usually located near or above the high tide mark. And some of these burrows can be up to 1.3 meters deep. Wow, yes. for a little crab? Average is more like 0.4. So, still so like a foot and a half-ish. Yeah, still decent size. Well, still pretty big mm-hmm. for a crab that size. Now, Allie. Oh, boy. I have a question for you. Oh, no. 
Is the horn-eyed ghost crab a true crab? I'm going to say no, because it's almost always no. <laughs> it is actually a true crab. Damn it. <laughs> the crab this crab belongs to the infraorder Brachiura, which is a, the group of animals that are the true crabs. So wait, did we have only one liar this episode or two liars? Was my Christmas island one a true crab? I believe that's not. It didn't say it wasn't, but okay. Yeah. Anyway. I can double check after this. All right. <laughs> ghost crabs are actually adapted very well for life out of the water, and they are particularly active at low tide during the night and will run rapidly on the sand and can quickly bury, bury themselves in the wet sand when needed. They are able to stay out of the water for extended periods because they can absorb water from the wet sand due to special hairs on their legs. These crabs are incredibly fast movers. Their scientific name comes from the Greek words osi, which means swift, Swift and Pody, which means foot, so it literally translates to swift foot. Hmm, okay. They definitely live up to this name as they are among the fastest land animals and have been observed moving a hundred body lengths per second. That is very impressive. Yes. For comparison, a cockroach moves at around 50 body lengths per second. Okay. Yep. How I many body lengths per second do people move? I don't know. Hussein Bolt, how fast it? Let's do those conversions. <laughs> anyway, yeah. continue. I know. Cheetah covers about 11. Okay. These crabs also have well-developed eyes to help allow them to see while they're moving at these fast speeds. Wow. The horn-eyed ghost crab has not been assessed by IUCN red list. Like many animals that live in the intertidal zone, they are most likely affected by human activities like pollution and coastal developments. All right. They're so cool. Mm -hmm. You gotta watch a video of them running. Although it's kind of sad. One of I, them I think watched... David Attenborough in one of the Planet Earth specials did talk uh, about, about these guys. I'll get to it eventually. Mm -hmm. Oh, also that reminds me. I was looking the other day, and they do have essentially a Secrets of the Zoo Animal Kingdom. But I oh, they do. I didn't watch it yet because I was like, I don't want to start a new category <laughs> until I finish one of the other ones. But yes, it does exist. That's one. That's one so reason I, I want to visit it. Florida. That's like the only reason to go to Florida is <laughs> Disney World and Universal. While, well, honestly, the Everglades and seeing like that. Yes, so that's I cool. I want to go. That is cool. And doing the yeah. airboats, that's cool. Mm -hmm. But that is the only thing outside of Disney World and Universal that is a reason yeah, to go to Florida. I wanted to go see uh, when the ma it's mating season and the male gators are bellowing. That's pretty cool. Yes. That'd be cool. Oh, but I got, I got scared one moment one time when I was bringing one of our gators back to his, her enclosure. Yeah, what'd you do? Because... She started to make a little grunt noise, oh. you know, like a baby gator. And I remember this one time I was just going down to feed our owl and our hawk. Mm -hmm. And I saw um, my coworker coming back from doing the gator portion of the tour. And then all of a sudden, the other gator, Dolce, came charging towards the gate. And it's like, so she could not get in. <laughs> and so I had to go distract him so she could go in and let Bayou back. Oh, and then she told me after that... Bayou made a sound when she was going towards the gate. I was like, what? Oh. First off, he's a male in there too, so he should have a response. <laughs> I was like, don't do that. I don't I don't need Dolce coming after me. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh dear. Dolce, what's the other one's name? Bayou. Um, not Gabbana? Come on. No. Why would it not be? And our third one's Bayou's name is really Creole. Oh, those, I have to show those you are a, both good names. Yeah, I have to show you a video uh, I took of Dolce when I was playing with him with the hose. <laughs> okay, weirdo. It's cute. Okay, but uh, He's having hey, fun. but hey, Casey. Yes, Allie. What do you call a crab that's afraid of small spaces?
I don't know. Claustrophobic. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Problem is, I go immediately to small words, and uh, sometimes I know it needs to be big words. Yeah. Sometimes you also just don't trust yourself. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it really is that easy and that basic. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, all right. Well, uh, it's challenge time, and it's Casey's turn. So, so God I knows. meant to do this last time yeah. when I ha- was talking about the International March Penguin March yes. Madness. Oh, and I have updates. Oh, because we're at the Flipper Four. The Flipper Four. Oh my yes. God! Of course, they and call that. he's in the in running. She's still in it. She's still in it. <laughs> Get it, girl. So vote. Go vote, people. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very important vote. Yes. <laughs> so this. I meant to do this. It's uh, I found it on The Guardian because I'm terrible at making up things for the both of us to do. It <laughs> is a World Penguin Day quiz, so we're going to test our knowledge of our flightless friends. All right, let's see. Okay. Uh, are we going first, or what are we doing? I didn't prepare. I think we should just... Yeah, we could do alternate. alternate it doesn't matter. Questions. We can do it... Or we could just figure it out together. together. Let's yeah. work together. Okay, teamwork. Go team. All right. One, penguins are only found in the wild in the southern hemisphere. True or false? Um, just the Galapagos in the northern hemisphere. There is. I kn- see. I know there. It? I know there is a population that is just above the equator. I was like, it would just tip into it. Let's so say false. It better if it's. It better be false. Okay, we're doing false. We're doing false. False. It's. It's saying true. I mean, they're on the equator, I mean, so it's a little tough. Yeah. It's true. Just about. The ones that live on the Galapagos Island might stray a bit into the northern hemisphere. <laughs> There's a caveat. That's BS. But if you ever see a polar bear and a penguin together, one of them is very lost. <laughs> <laughs> one of them is very uh, lost. As well as Antarctica and the Galapagos, penguins also live in Australia, South America, and Southern Africa. Okay. How fast can the Gentoo penguin swim underwater? I have no idea. The choices are 14 kilometers per hour, 18 kilometers per hour, 24, or 36. I say 24, but I really don't know. I don't either, so I'm saying 24. Great, let's do 24. (laughs) And that's not me guessing right. That's me using my test-taking skills. (laughs) Just see. Yeah. See down the thing. I don't think they use Scantrons anymore. That isn't even a thing anymore. (laughs) I See, I have no idea how anything works anymore. I'm getting old. Dude, I can't even tell you. Okay, we're going 24 kilometers per hour. 24. I'm not doing that conversion. No. Oh, it was 36. Dang it. Yes, Gentoo can swim at a whopping 36 kilometers per hour beneath the waves. They can also apparently outrun humans over short distances. (laughs) That's amazing. Although we haven't tried this ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, this was was a ridiculous one that I know that's in it. Okay. Which villainous penguin featured in Wallace and Gromit animations? I don't think I've seen any of those, so that's all you. Oh, gosh. I feel like it's Frobisher, Feathers McGraw, Penny Penguin... Oswald Chesterfield Cobblepot. I feel like it'd be the last one. It sounds the most. I want it to be the last one. Isn't that a British thing? I feel like that's the most Britishy sounding thing. Yeah, but he doesn't look British. The creature? Yeah. But I mean, I think the. Aren't the authors of that, the writers of that, British? Am I wrong? I think you're right. I I just want it to be the last one, so I'm going to say the last one. Uh, I want it to be the last one, too, so I'm picking the last one. Okay, and. 
Nope, it was Feathers McGraw. We are not doing well. No, we are not. <laughs> All right. Next one is, these penguins are preparing to take a selfie belong to the largest species of penguin. What are they called? <laughs> I just love this picture. That's really cute. <laughs> yes. The giveaway is they're emperor penguins. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Largest species. And we finally, I think that's the first one we got right. That is the first one we've gotten Good right. Lord. This is not going well. Okay. Can penguins drink salty seawater? If I remember correctly, they do have glands that kind of act like kidneys. I'm going to say yes. I don't know. And also, if they're saying drink, like they could drink it and spit it, not spit it out, but like, you know, filter it, I would mm. imagine. Unless they really mean ingest it. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say yes. All right. Where I have a consensus. Yep. It is, yes, they can. In fact, some environments they inhabit, they have very little choice. The salt is filtered from their blood by a supraorbital gland located near their eyes and then secreted from the nasal passages. I feel like we should know this since we've talked about multiple penguins. We have. <laughs> I'm surprised I haven't talked Because I've talked about sea turtles doing that. Yeah. I know that for a moment. Who played the penguin in the 1989 movie Batman Returns? Oh, Danny DeVito. Oh, I, you're absolutely right. I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, 1989. I'm like, I have no idea. Yep. Like, yeah, yeah, it's Danny DeVito. I didn't even list you all the choices. No, I know. Who were the other options? Um, For guess, Meredith. Joe Pesci. <laughs> That'd be a weird penguin. Rick Moranis. Oh, my God. That would be so weird. <laughs> that was a giveaway based on some of those. Yeah. I don't know who the first person was, but uh, but Rick Moranis and Joe Pesci would be very weird penguins. Yes. How many species of penguin are there? 12, 15, 17, or 18? Oh, I should definitely know that. I think it's 17, isn't it? I could have sworn it was 18. I don't know. It could be one or the other. Make a choice. We Why roll, me? We roll on the dice? We'll roll, roll on a dice. dice. All right. Whoop, that went crazy. Uh, we're going with your choice because it was a seven. Okay, so 18. 18. I better be right. <laughs> I have a degree, man. <laughs> no, it was 17. Dang it. There are 17 species of penguin in total. Some have several different names, which might lead people to think there are more. Possibly me. <laughs> I am not prepared. <laughs> Which long-lived and famous rock band released an album, their seventh entitled Penguin in 1973? Uh, Fleetwood Mac, okay. The Moody Blues, Pink Floyd, The Hollies. I've never heard of The Hollies, first of all. I so have. I feel like they're out because I've never heard of them. Everyone else I've heard of. I d it does not feel like a Pink Floyd no, thing to me. No, it does not. Uh, who are the other options? Moody Fleetwood Blues? Fleetwood Mac. And the Moody Blues. I, I really don't know, but I just am leaning toward Fleetwood Mac. I'll go with your choice. Okay, great. Because I don't know music. I'm an uncultured spine. How dare you. We were right. Yes. Oh, wait. We said oh. Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. I okay. Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> yeah. Right by chance. <laughs> In 2012, a scientific project measured the size of emperor penguin population at Arctica. By measuring the size of the poop stains left on the ice by their breeding colonies, using the picture taken from space, true or false? Um, I want to be true so bad. I hope it's not true. Um, <laughs> let's roll again. All right. We're going with mine. I'm saying it's false. All right. Let's see. 
Please be true. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> okay. The practical reason for doing so was that around half of the 50 or so emperor penguin colonies have never been visited by people. They are that there are they found approximately 595,000 adult emperor penguins in the colonies. Wow. Who is second in command to Skipper and the Penguins of Madagascar? Oh, no, I don't know. It's Kowalski. Okay. Oh, wait. Is it pro... Let me think. There's Rico, Private, Sonny, Kowalski. I don't remember them. So, Private is... Obviously not, because he's Private. Um, Rico's the crazy one. Okay. I haven't watched those in so long. There's not a Sonny. Okay. So, yeah, it has to be Kowalski. Okay. I'll go with you on that. I All right. Remember. I haven't watched them in forever. I was right. And I never watched the Penguin movie. Good job. You have it? Or the Penguins ones, no. I'm going to have to have a day where I just binge, like, all the, like, cartoon animals, you yeah. know? One of the first recorded European encounters with penguins were during Ferdinand's Magellan's... Magellan's? Ma- uh, Magellan's. <laughs> first circumnavigation. Like Magellan's. That's the pronunciation. First circumnavigation of the Grove in 1520. How did they describe these birds? Flightless geese. <laughs> Upright angry ducks. Oh my god, I hope it's that one. <laughs> Strange geese or feathered seals. I want upright angry I want ducks. Up, we agree we both want upright angry ducks. Okay. It seems the most apt yep. of them. They're not everything is not a goose and they're not mean nope. enough to be goose. Nope. Upright angry ducks. I hope it is. No. No. It was strange geese. No. Why? That's stupid. The sailors recorded the meeting on the coast of South America saying they encountered these strange geese and that these goslings are black and do not fly. Geese and they have live long on fish. Necks. I don't know. What are they smoking? It's much closer to a duck than a goose. I know. Some 23 years earlier, Vasco da Gama mentioned encountering flightless birds as large as ducks while rounding the Cape of Good Hope, which were also presumably penguins. Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. Female emperor penguins lay one egg, which is then incubated by the male while she goes off hunting. How long is she away for? 12 weeks, 9 weeks, 6 weeks, 4 weeks. That's really long. I feel like it's 12 weeks. I kind of feel like it's 12, too. Mm-hmm. I really don't know. But let's, we both. I'm not good that. on birds, so this is a challenge for me. All right, 12 weeks. Yeah. I'm gonna be nope, mad it's, it's nine six. weeks. Nine? Okay, good. It's nine weeks. I was going to be mad if it was six, because that was the only one I felt like it would be. Mm-hmm. The male bounces. So while she's away, the male bounces egg on his feet for about 65 to 75 days. Aww. Everybody loves Pingu? Do you know this? No. But what was the name of the seal he was friends with? What the hell? That is that looks like those animations from back in the like the I know. Island of Misfit Toys. I don't know. Robbie, Robin, Roberta, Robina. I was like negative five at least. When did these movies come out? I don't know. I remember seeing that when I was like five. Mm-hmm. Uh, what um, are the options? Robbie, Robin, Roberta, Robina. I feel like it'd be Robbie or Robin, but I don't. What is the penguin's name? Pingu. P-I-G-U. I'm going to say Robin. I have no idea. I'm going with Robin. Okay. It was Robbie. Dang it. (laughs) I mean. Apparently he's a. Oh. His name is said to derive from the German word for seal. Robe. Oh, okay. Okay. 
Uh, Oliver Jeffers wrote a popular children's book about a penguin who finds himself on the wrong side of the world, but what was it called? A bit lost, the lost penguin all at sea, lost and found. What? Try that again. Okay, so... Just the names, just the names. A bit lost, the lost penguin all at sea, lost and found. I think it's going to be either the lost penguin or all at sea. Does it say anything about how old this author is? Or when this book came out? No, but you can take a look at the picture for reference for the style. Yeah, people can draw like that today, though, too. True. I want it to be all at sea because it's an old-timey phrase. I feel like it's an old-timey one. Okay. So I'm going to say all at sea. All at sea. Nope, it was lost and found. Dang it. We are not doing well. Nope. Oh, I know this. It's so stupid, though. Okay. What is the name of this penguin-based Pokemon? <laughs> I don't know. It's it. Piplup. I would never have known that. I'm a nerd, so I do. <laughs> Most people know Pokemon. I'm just weird. Uh, what I do love is, like, I do recognize the other ones in here. Empoleon, Primplup, and Poplio. You don't know my enemies. Yep, yeah, but it was Piplup. I love Piplup. Oh, we got another one. Hang on, let me mark it. Woo! We're doing horrible, by the way. <laughs> I figured. Uh, this is a picture of Dirk, a fairy penguin from Australia. How did he make the news in 2012? 2012? Yes. He attacked Prince Charles while he was on a royal visit to Australia. Oh my god, I hope that's right. He was rescued after being stolen from an aquarium by drunk British backpackers. Okay. He was the first fairy penguin to be born in captivity in Australia. He had unusual markings for a fairy penguin, which are usually almost totally white. I just want it to be that he attacked Prince Charles. I want it to be two. <laughs> and second, I want it to be drunk people stole him. I know. But I feel like it's probably going to be captivity. I don't think so because 2012 is way too recent for a native species of Australia. Oh, that's true. Are we going to say Prince Charles? I that's what we be, want it to we be. We want it to be Prince Charles, so we're picking <laughs> Prince Charles. Nope. Dang it. <laughs> he was rescued after being stolen from an drunk aquarium people. by drunk British backpackers. <laughs> At least that's the second best. Oh, my goodness. Uh, uh, okay, we got six out of 16. We got five out of 16. Were you counting? It, count? it gives me my score. Oh, okay, all right. We must, I missed you must one. Have missed I missed one. one. How many? We hit six out of what? 16. Wow, that was really bad. Uh, oh, my goodness. We did goodness. real bad on that. Yes. I need to know, what was that penguin's name, by the way? The animated one? The animate, uh, Pingu. Oh, wait. Pingu. Yeah. I have to know. I have to know when that came out. Yeah, you. When did you come out? <sighs> 86. 86. <laughs> yeah, that was its original release. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it, was, it seems like it was an actual series. How weird. Yeah. Anyway, okay. Um. So we did not do great. Nope. That's kind of typical for us. Usually when we work together. We don't do well. Well, we sometimes do. Okay. (laughs) All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the episode. As always, we're your hosts, Allie. And Casey. And we will catch you on the next episode of the Animal Addicts Podcast.